What's up, world? How we doing? How we living? Undeniable perception, episode 97. Brother from the same mother. 99 tears. Oh, not close enough, man. Why did they make a song called 97 Tears or 97 Yawns or something, right? <laughs> we need another one, right? Another one. Any songs at the top of your head that have a number on them? Mm, nah, just 97. I just 99 think... Problems? Yeah. Um, is there, what else comes up to mind? 99 Tears? 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay. Uh, Ten Crack Commandments. Man, I just realized um, 99 has a lot of songs today because 99 and a half won't do. Mm-hmm. 97, though, bro. That's the year Biggie died, bro. March 9th, 97. That's that's a stain that I think about every oh, time man. I see 97. Yeah, he passed away, right? Unfortunately. Yeah, did he die the on his way to death. the hospital or did he die on the hospital? At the hospital. I think he got murdered before. So he died maybe on the way there. He got shot. He got shot up. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know what he was. He, nah, Tupac was, died at the hospital. Tupac died, died on the, the way, hospital. I believe. Yeah. Damn. How many shots did he get hit with? I don't know. Probably four, five. And he got he got hit where though? Like where where was he at? Was he in L.A.? He came to L.A. He right? went to L.A., bro. After That's the right. Source Awards, I believe. They told him don't come to Cali, bro. And then he went, and then it happened. Yeah, the, the wheel had spun too much already, huh? There was enough people that uh-huh. wanted to get to him. Or whatever, there's a lot of conspiracies, right? Mm-hmm. Which I forget. It was just but anyways, retaliation. Yeah. But anyways, man, just to get into it a little bit, man. Uh, you know, I tried to set up the candles with the cold winter in already. Mm-hmm. Well, one candle. That I hope it's fragrance-free, bro. I don't want to get a, a headache. <laughs> yeah, it should be fragrance-free. All right, good, good. Well, good. I just bought it at a discount at Target sometime. Oh, yeah, no, this ain't it. Oh, for sure, it should be fragrance-free. I don't smell <laughs> anything. Um I was doing some thinking, man, because the last, seems like the last few days, maybe just the last week, I guess I'm going to get real open about some stuff. Mm-hmm. I've just been not feeling so great, you know, and I got like a little like, you know, acting up a little bit with my old bad habits, you know, kind of getting OCD-ish and then kind of spiraling into some other stuff. And do you yourself... Do you feel that you're compassionate with yourself? Do you practice compassion and being kind to yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's my motto of life. Uh, just being my biggest fan. I, I believe that's the the main proponent, bro. Because if you're not your biggest fan, you're not gonna love other people. You're not gonna learn how to love people. So that's something that I've been preaching. I've been trying to follow, bro, for like these last couple of years. But I mean, the only thing that I would say. I sometimes do out of habit sometimes and I'm big on words so that's why I notice it a lot because sometimes I'll like shame myself like damn Renato why'd you do that damn bro you're fucking stupid like sometimes I would catch myself talking to myself like that so I would say sometimes I would shame myself but for the majority of it I try to not to do that but I have those moments at least, you know, weekly. You know, it's it's normal for me to do that. You know, when I, when I hear you say, and I've heard you say this many times, you know, like you are your biggest fan. You know, I've never really, cons- you know, have broken that down, right? But when you're stating it, so it's bigger than, because when I hear that first, I just think like, oh man, you just motivate yourself. Yeah. You feel good about yourself. You don't let people put you down or whatever, or, or you know, play down to you. But I never thought about it so thought about it deeper than that. So for you, under that umbrella of of being your biggest fan, 
within that, you're talking about you're also compassionate with yourself. You take care. So all that falls under that topic. Absolutely. Compassionate with yourself, accountable with yourself, um, having that conversation with yourself, looking at yourself in the mirror. What can I do to be better? What can I do to make my spouse's life better? What can I do to make my brother's life better, my friend's life better? All that comes within within the package. Yeah, see, I was thinking about that. I don't, I don't think I practice much compassion with myself. I don't... It seems very foreign to me. I don't... Um, I, I mean, I think I do know how to start. But I feel like with the actions that I do or how I treat myself mentally or how I, I, I allow things to happen within myself... I don't know how I how how to be compassionate with myself, you know, like I think I beat myself up, mm -hmm. you know? Um and then I think I just kinda drain myself emotionally where I just I ruminate a lot, you know, I go over things over and over again and sometimes to no avail, you mm -hmm. know. So that's where I know like that that's not good. Like I need to practice and learn. I need to practice compassion with myself and learn how to do that. Like, how, how do I do that with myself, right? Like, so maybe I just, I need to, I need to learn that skill. Do you remember like moments in your childhood, like where you would have like a temper tantrum or like an episode when it came to like something, like when you're younger, something you're passionate about, and then our parents witnessing you go through that episode do you remember how they would come at you or how they would like present what they see towards you? Well, the first thing that, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is I think about being a kid doing that. And it was always taught like, don't do that. Don't be a baby. Yeah. You know, don't cry over that or, or stop. You know, and I'm sure there's, there's other moments where it's compassionate as well. But I, I don't, I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is that. Right. So that, that's, the, that's the big issue. So I feel like from a young age, we weren't taught. We weren't taught how to be empathetic with ourselves because it was just like a, a rip of the band-aid. Hey, stop. Stop being a baby. Bruh, I am a baby. I'm fucking five years old. I'm trying to figure shit out. Why are you telling me to stop? So from that, it's going to build up like this fucking callus over our brain to the point where we're not going to know how to decipher how we feel with our feelings because... We already have that exclamation point to just stop. And then once we get older, that inner drama is just going to turn into more trauma. And then we're not going to learn how to decipher it. Yeah, because then you end up just keeping that cycle going. You know, being told like, oh, only girls cry. Yeah. So then you start questioning your masculinity. And like, well, you know, why am I crying? I shouldn't cry. You know, I'm a man. Or, you know, you start beating yourself up with the sense of like, well, why am I feeling down I should be feeling down I should feel be good I should feel up I should snap out of it I should be this but that's not really getting to the core of the problem or solving it right mm -hmm. you end up just making it worse and worse and worse mm -hmm. but I think with me I know that it's it's compassion that I need to learn how to how to practice that more with myself and I think one way I have to do it or at least one way that it's been described and I think it's a good it's a good way for me to be able to measure it and to be able to kind of set forth those steps towards that goal would be to think about how would I help someone else? How would I treat 
you or a friend or anyone if they came to me with problems or how they're thinking about things or how they're feeling, how would I approach them? What would I tell them? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the way I have to learn how to treat myself because it tends to be, at least in my case, and I'm not alone on this, and probably most people are like this, we tend to be more compassionate with others. So when you say you're not compassionate with yourself, can you give me an example of what your regular thought process is or or what you tell yourself that puts you in this type I just, of I box? Just don't, I just don't give myself a break mentally. You know, like if, um, if I, let's just say I slip up or something like that with... Uh, Whatever, if I, if I lose my temper or something on the on the road, yeah, right, or something like that, then I just keep thinking about it over and over again. Like, why did I do that? Oh, mm-hmm. I fucked up right there. Why? Why did I lose my cool right there? Why did I do that? Why did I react that way? And it just keeps going and going and going and going. Instead of just being like, "Yo, chill, yeah. it's all right, you lost your cool, just get better at that and move on and stop ruminating." But I think obviously it's more of a obsessive compulsive disorder thing, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't. And I don't, and I'm not flipping about it. I just haven't been really open about the OCD thing, because you know you hear a lot of people they post stuff like something organized, and they're like OCD. Like mm-hmm. no, that ain't OCD, man. Yeah. Like you know, it's uh, it's like ruminating, and it's constant, and it's very, um, it's something that really robs you. At least in my experience, in my life, it robs you from a lot of joy, and it mm-hmm. robs you from being present in the moment, and doing the things that you love because I've had so many instances and circumstances in my life where like doing OCD behaviors where it prevents me from doing something that I love. Like instead of doing something, I end up spending hours focusing on a thought and going over it over and over again. Or if I want to enjoy a movie, then I end up just turning it off. Like, oh, let me think about this first to try to figure out what's up. Yeah. When it's just in turn, I'm just feeding that that compulsion because what it is is that OCD the simplest way I can put it it's a cycle right and it starts with an obsession mm-hmm. right it's the first thing and an obsession could be a thought typically it's a thought of something right or whatever <clears throat> and then from there you develop a compulsion and a compulsion it's either just mental or physical right mm-hmm. and by mental it could be like oh let me just pray about it oh I had a bad thought Right, mm-hmm. I had a bad thought that I want to kill someone or something. Hypothetically yeah. speaking, you're like, "Oh no, let me pray about it." Pray about it. So then that becomes a compulsion mm-hmm. because you're trying to find relief from that stress. Because instead of sitting with that uncomfortable feeling when you get that 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 obsession, you develop compulsive behaviors that you do as a child. Because when you're a child, and it can happen anytime, because OCD can happen anytime. But from my experience. I developed these behaviors because when when you're when I was a child, you didn't know how to deal with stress very well. You're not taught how to deal with stress. So, so you know, in my experience, you built yeah. that 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 release. So it's like a release off. But instead of it, you may just get relief for a moment with that compulsion. But what happens is that compulsion gives you a little bit of relief. But then what that does, it just feeds. The obsession again, and it keeps going in a circle. And all it does is you're just straightening that that idea that there's something bad, that you're doing something bad, and you need relief. So basically, you're just making it stronger and stronger and stronger. And the only way that I've learned for me, and there's other methods to get better from it, is from just 
sitting with that stress and being aware of those behaviors that you're doing, those compulsions, and not doing them. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets tough. And sometimes I slip up. Yeah. Because I've done very well with like, okay, after years, right? The last few years, I've thank God, you know, through therapy and practicing and learning different things in meditation and obviously staying active, etc. Learning how to just sit with those stressors and not engaging in those compulsive behaviors, that's the key for me. Mm-hmm. But if I slip up a little bit, for me, it's very dangerous because I I give it an inch and then I start doing it in yeah, other things. Yeah. yeah, you know, so that's so that's kind of where I've been. So instead of being compassionate on myself and being like, hey, man, you slipped up. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Chill, man. Tomorrow's another day. Right now is a new moment. I end up just like, oh, why did I slip up? Why did I yeah. do this? What am I doing this? And then you start feeding, feeding, and feeding, you know? Yeah, man. So that's what I mean by that with my own experiences. Yeah, man. It, it, I think the it falls back on our parents, you know, unfortunately. But our parents didn't have, like, the knowledge with, ki- with kids because they didn't have the time. They, they were just grinding, you know, and then just coming at, coming at children with just saying, hey, stop crying, stop being a baby. You're just nipping it in the butt you're not giving them the tools to know how to how to maneuver through that as you get older because that's something that i've always seen bro like i'm very observant of shit you know and then that's the promise i made with with my kids i'm gonna make sure that i equip them with how to decipher that type of feeling that type of emotion but it also helps having a spouse that that tells me shit that i might not see Cause with Ezekiel, like I would sometimes tell him, "Bro, stop crying. It's not a big deal," and that's just me like speaking naturally. But then when I take a moment and I really think about it, I'm like, "That's not gonna help my son." So Mercy has to tell me sometimes, like, "Babe, you know, talk to him calmly. Go down to his level. Speak to him. Tell him that it's gonna be okay. Stuff like that, and that's gonna help him." be able to open up with his feelings even more with me as he gets older. So he'll have someone to rely on opposed to just himself, right? Yeah, because he's a child and he's just even, just barely learning to understand what those feelings are because he doesn't even know what those feelings are. Doesn't. And then when we respond, as you said, like at the moment or an instance when you respond, like stop crying about it. He doesn't even understand that. Like, I don't know, I don't know what a big deal is. Right. Yeah. But that's also from your learned behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're 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 raised another way. The uh, yeah, man. Because I remember years back. I don't know, at least twenty years back or whatever, even more so. When I used to hear like, "Oh, these parents talk to their children," I used to be like, "What?" To me, it was such a foregone conclusion. I thought it was like crazy talk. Like, you're going to talk to a little kid? How are they going to understand? Mm-hmm. Sometimes some kids need spankings. You know, that's how I used to think because I was so yeah. brought up being raised a certain way Yeah, that I didn't realize, man, I was wrong. You know? Yeah. Well, we didn't have we didn't have that knowledge, you know, and also we coming from we, we a different country. We were raised country. with people that, yeah. that, we, that we, our friends were similar race like us. Yeah, we came, our parents came from a different country, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's up to us, you know, to do it. You know, it's up to us to fix it, you know? Our parents got just as much trauma, if not even fucking way more trauma. You know, and I think, absolutely. And with that, man, I also, you know, think, okay, I need to practice compassion with myself, right? That's one thing. And then also think on the other side, not to take away from that idea, 
or knowing that I need to do that is also who said life's supposed to be easy, right? Mm -hmm. But life's going to already deal you bad shit. You know, life's already going to give you toughness, loss, sad, tragedies, you know, um, you're going to be disappointed. Life's going to do that. You shouldn't Mm -hmm. do that to yourself because it's you that has to take care of yourself so you can weather those storms. Mm-hmm. Because if life's going to give you that and you on top of that are doubling down and hurting yourself too and punishing yeah. yourself and beating yourself up, then what choice do you have, right? What, what chance do you have? What, what, how, how are you going to find meaning in life, mm-hmm. right? Because if life's going to give you, of course, it's going to give you all these beautiful things as well. But if life's already going to feed you all this pain, mm-hmm. right, then you're the one that has to have a, a meaning Behind it. To be able mm-hmm. to take that pain, to make it worthwhile, to pain make is love. make it worth the suffering. Mm-hmm. Pain is love, like Ja Rule says, bro. Hey. So, like, I was gonna ask you, do you have a mantra? Do you have a mantra of life? I guess if I would say the mantra of life, I mean, I don't chant or anything like that. But I guess the mantra that I have for life for me is, you know, to the to the great old, you know, Shakespeare's, uh, to that known self, be true. Okay. I think that I just try to contemplate that and think. You know, being authentic with myself. Like, what is my authentic self? Where where do I go? Because when I think about that, I I feel like I strip down. I have to meditate with it, but I feel like I strip down to like how I thought as as I was, since I was young. You know, like who am I? What okay. are, what, what are my belief systems? Do you think that's who you who you are now today though? Who you were in the past? Because maybe like trying to There's search aspects of it. Yeah, because trying absolutely. to search. For that authenticity might not be that person, you know? I, I guess what I mean is by the authenticity is by going to my core belief. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I truly believe in? You know, what, mm-hmm. what, what, do I, what do I have a love and a passion and mm-hmm. compassion for? What is important? What would you say are the three most important things that you believe in then, if that's what you're saying? I think, I don't want to put a number on it, but I think the things that... To me, that are the most important is love, <coughs> being kind, okay. being empathetic and understanding, <coughs> and following your passions. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me, I have a lingering cough. So you gotta you gotta lead that with yourself: love, compassion, <coughs> empathy. Excuse me. Things like that, cause like I'm big on fucking mantras, bro. Like when I wake up, I say I am undeniable. I am my biggest fan. I am leading with love. I am breaking generational curses. I am creating generational wealth. Is that a ritual that you do every every morning? That, I don't do it every morning, but that's one of my mantras. It's you know, just I, ingrained, huh? It's ingrained because that's that's who I am. That's who I'm seeking to be. You know, every fucking day. You know, I'm not perfect, but you know, it's who I'm working towards every day. So sometimes my 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 female might tell me like, "Babe, you got to be more like." The way you are on Instagram 24-7. And I'm like, I can't be like that 24-7. I'm human. Sometimes I I slip and I fall. But what you need, to, you need to reconsider and think about is that's who I seek to be all the time. You know, I'm putting out there who I'm going to be, who I want to promote, who I want everyone to feel like. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to give people that dosage of confidence. What you strive for. Which, what I strive for every fucking day. You know, it's not... Who I was in the past, not reflecting on my past, but like looking at the future, what I want today, what I want to build for today. What are the pieces that I have on the table that I could work with? Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, that's why I stay with, with me understanding that I need to be more compassionate with myself, you know, with my own inner struggles and my own strife and my own journey. It always is more beneficial for me. It always helps out because like, hey, take it easy, man. Was there moments in your life where, where that you regretted, like not speaking up in certain environments or, you know, kicking certain people out in your life and in certain chapters of your life? Do you feel like that type of weight probably became a burden for you? Or is there any like moments that you could reflect on or anything that pops in your mind right now that, that you could think of that's like, you know what, maybe that's a shackle? I can't I can't really think of one because I don't believe that I'm that I am living in the past or anything like that is holding me back. I think maybe there's instances or possibly people or things that contribute to the way I treat myself, that yeah. have contributed to that, right? Where that's what I need to peel away. But I can't think of anything that's really holding me back that's outside of myself, mm -hmm. you know? Okay. Um, but yeah, man, given, given that, man, I was thinking, I was thinking about, uh, you know, transitions, mm -hmm. right? And... Um, I read this this Rumi poem that I like to say. Mm -hmm. Unless you have something else to add about this, or we could just no, yeah, like go it. ahead. And to me, it just made me think about just the transitions in life, right? And man, I thought was just perfectly done. And you know, given that it's winter and all that, when I die, when my coffin is being taken out, you must never think I am missing this world. Don't shed any tears. Don't mm -hmm. lament or feel sorry. I'm not falling into a monster's abyss. When you see my corpse is being carried, don't cry for my leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm arriving at eternal love. Mm -hmm. When you leave me in the grave, don't say goodbye. Remember a grave is only a curtain for the paradise behind. You only see me descending into a grave. Now watch me rise. How can there be an end when the sun sets or the moon goes down? It looks like the end. It seems like a sunset, but in reality, it is a dawn. When the grave locks you up, that is when your soul is freed. Have you ever seen a seed fall into earth and not rise with a new life? Why should you doubt the rise of a seed named human? Have you ever, been a bucket, have you ever seen a bucket lowered into a well coming back empty? Why lament for a soul when they can come back like Joseph from the well? When for the last time you close your mouth, your words and soul will belong to the world of no place, no time. Yeah, dude's a dude's a beast. Like like Jay-Z says on my Jay Electronica album, um, peaceful teachings are roomy, so don't confuse me. You yeah. mouth off for the camera, I make a silent movie. Yeah. Yeah, bro. He's a beast. That's well said. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, man. I guess all these thoughts of the winner and all that, man, and... Uh, reflecting on the Atlanta episode too, man. It's just like all the farm, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like for me, like one thing that that I'm kind of battling with and making sure that I keep my thoughts and myself and not letting any outside entities uh, penetrate the way I think or like the way the environment is trying to change is just resisting the downward pull of the group. You know, that's the part that I'm at with the laws of human nature, the, the greatest fucking philosopher, psychologist, 
or psychologist of all time, fucking Robert Greene, you know? Resisting the downward pull of the group, bro. So, I feel like that's where you kind of lose yourself because you let people penetrate you, you know? So, for example, like the shit that Ye's going through, right? How they're literally like dragging him through the mud, they're shaming him, his peers are, are pulling him down. Uh, same thing with Kyrie, you know, like the battle that he's doing, you know, you got his peers pulling him down, but he's still standing on his own two feet, looking at the cameras and still being his authentic true self. Because at the end of the day, bro, you got to stand for yourself. You got to stand for your morals. You're not going to make everybody happy, you know, so just making sure that you you love yourself first in that manner as well. So that's something that I'm very big on because I'm not going to change my opinion about things to make other people happy because it's not making me happy. As long as I'm not killing anybody, it's fine. You know, and that's the way I see things now. So it's it's really dope now seeing this uh, this paradigm shift. Uh, Jay Williams, you remember him. He was with the Bulls. He was a, a Duke Blue Devil. Um, he had a big contract, and I believe he got, like, in a motorcycle accident, right? Right. And then, which hurt him. And like and then his career. It kind of cut his career really Basketball short. Career. Yeah. And he ended up posting this video, and he said, you know what? I don't care if I end up getting fired. He's like, I need to speak up. And I thought it was so fucking dope for him to do that because you don't see anybody doing that anymore. And he was just talking about Kyrie Irving and shit. So, like, I remember when we were talking about, like, Howard Stern and blackface and you're like well he apologized you know he fucked up and we moved on right Kyrie Irving apologized right but they ain't moving on you know there's like a laundry list of things that he has to do bro he has yeah to that's meet. just ridiculous though it, they added all this stuff they, they want to make an example exactly so this <coughs> is the term that Jay Williams said that's very true that they're doing to Ye as well buck breaking and you're familiar with it you've seen 12 years of slave mm-hmm. you know like whenever like that one person that gets out of line, they're going to make an example out of him. And that's been going on forever, bro. So it's fucking really cool to fucking see people under this shitty-ass media speak up about it. And I saw this video of Muhammad Ali surfaced. And I was like, damn, bro. Like, if we're living back in the day, everybody around me would fucking hate Muhammad Ali Everyone around me will fucking hate Malcolm X because they're top, like the way Ye and Kyrie act is kind of similar to that. They have like the unpopular opinion. They say shit people don't want to say. And I just thought it was a very cool, cool thought that, that Jay Williams did, you know, looking out for his Duke brother, looking out for his brother and brothers out there. And, and, uh, this Ali interview surfaced that I came across, he was being interviewed by some guy. And Muhammad Ali said, man, he's like, like my peers, for example. And this is resisting that downward pull of the group. He didn't fall into that um, mindset of his peers, right? So he was talking shit about Floyd Patterson, who was like a, a boxer during his time. He's like, like yeah, like Floyd. Greats, one of the greats. He's like, like Floyd Patterson, man. He's like, they gave him a bunch of million dollars. They gave him a Rolls Royce. They gave him a white wife. He's like... But there's other people struggling, man. He's like, I care more about my brothers and my sisters, so I'm going to say shit out loud. He's like, he's like, I would rather help a million people and lose a million dollars. And I just thought that that was the so fucking dope. One of my favorite things Muhammad Ali ever said. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I 
I mean, because you said quite a lot, you know, and then, and I think a lot of these subjects require, demand a lot of attention. Yeah. And a lot of unpacking. Uh, I know I, I cannot agree with you wholeheartedly with everything, right? Because you, you, you kind of talked about different kind of things. So I kind of like to like focus on, on some of the things that I, I would agree on because I don't know enough of like, I agree with you with the Kyrie situation. Well, first of all, just to kind of backtrack a little with the Kyrie situation, right? I already, I've always hated the idea of forcing someone to apologize. Because the intention of an apology, if it's worth his salt, means that person should really have a good intention behind it, right? So it defeats the purpose if someone's forcing you to apologize, right? Mm -hmm. Then what's the point? Is it just for show? Right? You're, you're like, hey, you need to apologize. Well, why? Just to bend the knee. Yeah. Right. Like, just why? So then, with his situation, because he didn't come off and apologize right away, right? And then later on, I think when he got fined or suspended, and then he apologized. Mm -hmm. Then by that point, they were like, oh no, you waited too long. So now we're going to make an example out of you. So now they're trying to do all this stuff. So I could agree with you and all that there. That come on, what is that, right? Um, but to kind of turn the focus on you. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why I'm so fucking passionate about this. Why it fucking bothers me, bro. It eats at me. Do, do tell. Cause, like I told you, man, I feel like I have a different opinion about things, man. And and if I see like one of my brothers that is actually like trying to like say real shit, speak his truth. They have way more money than me in the bank. They have a way better living situation than me. They have more people backing them up. And they're the ones being ridiculed. They're the ones being shunned. They're the ones being muted. What's that going to say about a, a person like me? A person of my caliber that doesn't have that type of backing, that type of finance, that type of income and shit, right? It's going to be way worse for me. And I know for a fact, my son and my daughter are going to be very special people that are going to help the world even more than me or give out even ideas crazier than me or, or even have a different, more of a different opinion than me, more an abstract opinion. So I feel like I'm laying the bricks because I want to help my son and I want to help my daughter whenever they go through shit like that, whenever they go through that resistance, resist the pull of the group, man, because that that's the way I see it, dude. And I don't want my son to change his personality or change a specific word because he offended somebody. When at the end of the day, he's fucking offending himself because he's not being truthful. And that what goes back to being your biggest fan. Yeah. And um, that's why I'm so passionate about figures like Malcolm, like Ye, like Kyrie, people that step up like that. Because that's how I think and that's how I feel. And that, that's what gets me going. That's what inspires me to even grow more, to even be more of a boss, to even do more clothing, do more podcasts. Shit like that, bro. Yeah, well, what comes to... Well, how I see things, man, is that... To touch on a few things, it's like, well, one... To me, someone standing up and talking and standing up for what they believe in is one thing. But to me, it's it's not separate. There's a second part. Well, what are they preaching? What are they saying? What are they believing, right? To me, it's not... I don't just applaud someone because they stand up and they... They're speaking their truth. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what is their truth? Mm -hmm. Right? To me, it's a two-parter and it's not, it cannot be div devised. You know, it cannot be separated. You cannot divide those two. To me, it's both things. 
So that's why it's hard for me to speak on specific ones without me knowing fully what that individual is about. To me, it's not enough that they stand up and they're risking something. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what are you about? What are you preaching? Because it's too, like, in, these, in this day and age, it is very easy to speak up because you have a platform. We see it every day, right? Obviously, there's a risk involved if you're going to risk things, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to lose stature or uh, financial gains and stuff like that. Be right? blackballed. And the other thing is the other part about... When you talk, and I might have a different opinion than you on this, uh, when you talk about like you, for example, if you speak up because you don't have that influence, you you could be grinding down more. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's true because I think if you look at it, what is the, the common thing that all these individuals that you mentioned have in common? You mentioned, just from the top of your head, you mentioned Malcolm, you mentioned Kyrie, you mentioned Ye. You mentioned Mohammed. What do all these people have in common besides being black? The media hates them. The media doesn't they, like that they color out of the lines. Deeper than that. Why? Is because the revolutionists. Because why? Because they have a following. So because they have power. Mm-hmm. Right? So because they have power, same thing like what happened with John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Right? Why the FBI had a file on them. Mm-hmm. Is because they have influence. They can influence people. Yeah. They have a loud voice. So you, for example, you're not in that space yet. Not yet. So that's why I can't agree with like you could be grinded down because first of all, they need to be afraid of you. But what can you do? Mm-hmm. How, many people can, how many people are listening to this individual? Yay has a lot of people's ears, right? Not so much now, right? Because he's kind of like, he's, he's kind of swinging on all, all kinds of ways, right? So then you have a lot of people falling off here. Some people falling out there, not like before in the past, right? Like where he had a strong following, but now it seems like he's kind of. He has a huge following still. It's just the tabloids are just. Right, but like there's, I said, there's been a, it's been it's it's different than how it was before, right? So, for example, when he said George Bush hates black people, mm-hmm. he had a lot of support still, yeah, right. But now, then he starts doing the MAGA hat, right? So mm-hmm. then he gets a lot of falling out from that, right? He starts saying that Donald Trump, then he wears the white lives, so. He's kind of been all over the place where now he's, he's dropping a lot of supporters. Uh, I think we could agree on that. But the point being this is like the reason why they risk losing a lot is because they have a strong influence. So therefore, there's more danger to them because they're like, hey, that person, we got to be careful with that person because he's got a lot of people's ears. Mm-hmm. And know? that's why I gravitate towards them, bro. Right. You know, and then there's so many people in that position that don't want to help millions. They'll rather keep their millions. And those are the people I don't really fuck with as much. Because I know for a fact, if I was in Ye's position or Kyrie's position, that's what I would be doing. You know, in an alternate universe, I feel like if I was that rapper, if I was that basketball player, or if I was that boxer, that's how I would be talking to the media. Like, I relate to that. Like, I feel like I have a commonality with that. And it could very well be, man. I just... It's just very difficult for me to speak speak like that about myself, right? Because I wouldn't yeah. know. I wouldn't because you know, like it's kind of like, how, what kind of person would you be in the South? You know, in the in the the late eighteen hundreds, you don't know. Mm-hmm. We could very easily be like, oh no, I'd be against slavery. I'd be against that. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Yeah, it's very easy to say that. Because we're nowhere near that. 
And because the way we see things now and how we're raised, but what if you have been raised differently back then? Mm. And it's the commonality thing. Like, mm. well, what was common at the time? You know, it's like a thought experiment. And I, and I, I, know, and I just don't like to think like, oh, I would be a certain way. In my head, I'd be like, hell no. It feels I would so never be right. like that. It feels so right. Because bro. of because of who you are now based on how you were raised in the circumstances you're living in now. I've seen so many lies. I lived through the lies, like all this bullshit we're taught that I've been unlearning to relearn. You know what I'm saying? So that, that, bro. You know? Yeah, dude. That's me, dog. I fucks with that motherfucking shit. But I was going to tell you to change the subject. Absolutely, man. Um... I was at a beautiful baby shower and and I'm really fucking happy, man, because Miguel is one of my one of my closest friends. I've, I've known him since elementary school, man. And, beautiful man, I and love he that has uh, him and his beautiful wife, man. They, yeah, they've been trying to have a baby and and it finally happened, bro. Hell yeah. They've been trying forever, so they finally got the blessing from God to to bear a child, bro. And I was at I was at the baby shower this past Saturday, man. So it was cool as fuck because I saw a lot of homies, you know, I saw a lot of kid, a lot of my homies' kids, you know, Zach's boy Zane and, yeah. and my boy Ezekiel were, were running shit, running I shit. Saw, I saw some of the posts. In there, man. dude. Um, so it was beautiful, man. Um, his daughter's name, a very beautiful name, man. It's going to be uh, Emilia Priscila Franco, dog. That's beautiful. But what I want to get at is um, it was dope as fuck seeing my, my cousin there. Because our, our cousin married uh, Miguel's sister, Nelida. And it was funny because, bro, Miguel's family, the Franco family, they're all fucking bosses. They're, they always had that mindset because Miguel's dad is the one that brought that that type of... Uh, of uh, Entrepreneurship mind? Entrepreneurship mind. But like the type of... I forget the way it's called, the terminology, bro. It's like when you eat everything from, from the cow, dog. But anyways, he like made a, a living off of that to like making a restaurant, right? Right. Entrepreneurship. You already know Miguel. He's a fucking renaissance man. He, yeah, man. He does everything. He welds. He builds houses. He fucking builds couches. He fucking all that shit, right? He's a, uh, the, milks the cows, Joe Rogan of the IE. Trains man. horses. Yeah. So. And and his sister Nelly that bro. Shout out to Nelly that because when I met her son, and uh, I told her son, I was like, oh, your your mom. Your mom's the, the first person that bought me and your uncle Miguel and all our friends alcohol. Oh, okay. At 16. So, wow. like, yeah, it was funny. Just funny story. Yeah. Sidebar. No, for sure. But she, bro, designed everything. Like, she designed, like, all the props for the baby shower. She decorated all the treats. And it was just fucking beautiful. And I was just like, fuck. Like, even your sister's a boss. Yeah. So it's just really motivating seeing like how like just his whole family r- runs their own shit. Like they don't got to resort to anybody else. Yeah, man. I feel bad that I missed it, man. I was under the weather. Actually, I started getting sick last week after you bounced. Mm-hmm. I started feeling it. And then I was just like, felt it all weekend. And now you could hear yourself a lingering cough, but at least I no longer have a fever or cold. And, you know, you don't, you don't want to risk being around little kids or other people because it's not about yourself anymore, you know? No, yeah. But I felt bad, so I hit him up, man, and he just said love. And it was beautiful, man. I saw you won one of the, the contests. Oh, yeah. Days. That contest was dope, bro. So they gave us, like, a big-ass shirt with, like, spandex on the bottom so, like, nothing comes off. 
and our spouse had to put balloons in the yeah, shirt. So pocket, whoever right? whoever had the most balloons won. Alfred got sixteen. Brian got sixteen. I got eighteen. Well, yeah, They're like, man, that ain't fair. You're lean. I was like, I'm the one that told my female yeah, to put it. the balloons in my bag. Yeah, well, lose those. Tell them, man, lose that flat tire. Lose the spare tires, baby. Yeah, dog. So that so that was dope, and it was cool. Like my girl told me, she's like, because Miguel's been so busy. She was like, uh, she was talking to Estefani, his wife, because they're they're really close. And she was like, yeah, Miguel's so busy that we were only able to open up one gift. So we just picked a random gift, and it was my it was our gift. Oh, hell yeah. And it was so cool because l- legit, every time we write a card to somebody, my, my wifey writes it because she's got beautiful penmanship. But yeah. This time I was like, let me write this shit. And I tried my best to like write as neat as possible. But I wrote everything from the heart to the point where I like I almost got a little teary eyed. And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, they're going to fucking love just it. Front. It just flowed out. And it just ended up happening that the universe heard that and they ended up picking our gift, reading our letter, and they, and they loved it, man. So oh, it was really man. rewarding. It was really rewarding to hear that, man. But I'm, I'm really happy. Shout out to Miguel and Estefani. We can't wait to meet your daughter. Sage is going to have a little homegirl. Zeke is going to have a little homegirl. So our little PSB crew is uh, growing. Dude, congratulations to them, man. On that beautiful note, man, how about our boy, your favorite fighter? Style Bender. I'm prepared to die, bro. Um, I can't wait, dude. Um, I'm prepared to die. I'm prepared to die, dude. Uh, whoo! All my boys are doubting him, except Ryan. Ryan's the only logical one. Easy gonna group. get. Easy's gonna get him. I think Izzy will beat him with a decision. I think he's gonna be very methodical and very artistic the way he picks him apart. Cause this dude is a fucking behemoth. I don't think Izzy's gonna a bang with him. He's stronger than Izzy for sure with his punches. He's bigger than um, Homeboy. Yeah. His manager. What's his name? The fucking champ. The guy that lost to Yuri. But Izzy, Izzy had him on on, uh, on on ice skates also. Yeah. Izzy had him. Izzy beat him the first fight, but they gave it to him. And then the second fight, Izzy got knocked the fuck out. But Izzy had him on ice skates earlier, before that. Yeah, fight, before that. Yeah, before that knockout. Yeah. Before, when the round ended, he dropped him and then... The second round came in. And man, it's dangerous right now, though, man. Everyone's getting beat. You know, champs can only hold it for so long, so you got to start considering that as well. Me, with my heart, I'm going with Izzy. Mm-hmm. Fight skill, going with Izzy, but I don't know enough yet about the other guys. We've only seen so, much, so little of them, right? But to me, it's always like, damn, man, they've been champs for so long. It's bound to happen. Izzy lost to Jan, bro. That was his L in light heavyweight. Nah, that doesn't that 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 even count, man, because he went up on weight. Yeah, I know. He already took that shit out of... Uh... But how about... Who do you got on... Uh, Mark... oh, we got Izzy, you got Izzy decision? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, four rounds to one. Five rounds all the way. Four rounds to one or, or five rounds to zero, Izzy. But all decision. Okay. By I don't decision. know how to call it, man. I, I think I think you're right in the thing where, I, where he's going to be methodical. I think he's going to do a lot of leg kicks. Yeah. This guy kicks also, too, right? Yeah, dude. So I'm thinking a lot of leg kicks, distance, moving. Um, I don't know, man. It's dangerous. But I think I'm going to miss the fight, but we'll see. My boy, uh, my boy Sammy, that I know from the gym, he trains in Millennia. And he, like, sees Sean Strickland all the time because he trains her. Mm. And uh, oh, it's the guy cool. who lost to the contender, right? Yeah, to Pereira. Pereira? Right. Yeah. And... Uh, it's cool when I talk to him because he really breaks it down, like the way the fighter stance is, because he does it. So he knows. He's like, if you notice, 
the way Sean Strickland fought Alex, Alex, right? Pireira. Yeah. He had his hands like this. And then Pireira is so fast. And the way he generates his power is ridiculous because he keeps his, his hook like literally by his waist. Like this. Like where my left hand is. And, just, and then the he torque, swings it up. And just the torque. And yeah. the torque. And he drops people. Yeah, because you're, if you coming from underneath, it can generate more power. Yeah, so he keeps it by his waist and it goes up as a hook. And I'm like, bro, people don't really do that. Yeah, because you're exposing yourself because you have your arm low. Yeah, so it's weird. And when he broke it down, I'm like, oh, that's legit. Yeah, that's how the like, fighters keep their their hands low to get more power, but you you open up to get hit in the face. Yeah, man. So I was, I was tripping. I was like, that's a good point. So my boy Izzy needed to like make sure he like like body kicks him there, bro. You team know? team needs it right here, man. Trying to trying to hit the forearm, you know. What about uh Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler? I got Chandler knocking him the fuck out, bro. Like in- I don't know, man. I don't know how to call that one, man. To me, that's a coin toss. Um, you know, Chandler's a very smart fighter. So is Poirier. They both hit hard. They both last. Uh, I think. And I don't want to be unfair to Chandler, but it seems like Poirier lasts more because he's been in quite a bit of wars and can mm-hmm. endure more. It seems like Chandler, when he gets hit a little harder, he kind of fade out a little bit more. It seems like he's faded out quicker. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know, man. I like them both too. Yeah, they're both dope. So to me, I it's like just Chandler like a coin a toss. More, I like him. Iron, Iron Mike Chandler, right? Yeah, hell yeah. They're both dope as hell, man. Uh, so before we close out, I wanted to ask you. Yeah, since sure. we're on ninety-seven, what's your earliest memory from nineteen ninety-seven? I mean, I don't, I don't know about earliest memory, but I think, but I eighteen years old. But just what memories I have? Yeah. What do you okay? Like a vivid memory you might remember. Anything that possible. Well, I guess uh, what the memories I remember from ninety-seven because I was, I was seventeen, but turning into eighteen the summer. We were just graduating high school. And that idea, I remember of graduating um, the week after we went to Mammoth for a week in oh, the summer. Nice. And we stayed at a cabin. Your friends or the with, school? With old no, friends. With old high school friends of mine. The only guy that I still talk to is still one of my dear closest friends is Ted. Ted oh, Crystal. he was there? That's Ted awesome. Crystals. But it was other buddies that I still remember fondly, but you know, I haven't seen them or talked to them in a long time. Chris Nielsen, Mark Chowdu. Uh, Jeff Bradshaw and a few others and I remember we were in the cabin because this girl Marcia Du was dating it was her parents cabin Raja so Agu the guy that trained Raja Agu what was her name Mark, <laughs> Mark Chowdu oh she was French no his name is Mark oh that's Mark, a dude Mark Chowdu yeah. oh shit yeah and he uh, and it was his girlfriend's at the time's cabin oh gotcha and I remember us staying up there and just that feeling and that's also where the first time I saw Swingers the movie Swingers on go. videotape my girl loves that movie she and I remember like oh movie. man Vince Vaughn was so cool to use your words man Vince Vaughn so money I want to dress like uh, that yeah you're money baby and yeah. being open to the idea <laughs> of like but the feeling of like anything's possible there's nothing holding you back exactly the idea okay. like everything's open man Hell yeah, I love how about that. You? Good how memory. About you? How about you, man? So, uh, 1997, bro, believe it or not, that was the year I first remember the Super Bowl. Mm. So, like, I don't remember the Cowboys beating the Steelers in 1996. If I did, I'd be lying. But 97 was when the Packers beat the Patriots. And Brett Favre, right? Brett Favre, yeah. So, that was the first Super Bowl I remember. And I remember watching that with Chris. 
before we built the little back room where we had the living room in the in the as soon as you open the door that's where the next living to the room mirrors was. next to the mirrors next to the mirror exactly and i remember watching the super bowl with our brother chris and i remember falling in love with desmond howard i fucking loved easy man to fall in love with i fucking loved desmond howard and the reason why i loved him besides him being so great and i've never said this any about that because i'm like giving the packers love right it's funny um it's because he wore long sleeves as a thermo under his jersey and I thought it looked so fucking fresh. So every time we would play football outside in our backyard, I would always have to wear long a long sleeve under my t shirt yeah. to resemble Desmond Howard. Influence man. Yeah. I love it. But and then always, he got traded to the Raiders and he but became it's al- trash. But it's always but. connected to an emotion, you know? Fashion. Everything, everything that's powerful is connected to an emotion. Yeah. You know, you connected seeing that him but it was also things that you probably couldn't pinpoint at that time but that moment seeing the Super Bowl with your brother and being young and like seeing like oh man this kid's awesome did he run it back for a touchdown that no he almost did but But I think the leading up to that he ran like a bunch but like I just remember and it it takes me back it's like fashion bro like and you started thinking that makes you feel confident about it. you started thinking about it oh I like that I want to try that yeah and I would always want to buy a thermo yeah. And have it under my shirt, bro. Because I used to wear thermals all the time underneath that temp, too. Thermal, because I was just like the look. I had a thermal, and then I wear a t-shirt over it. And it was just the look. There you go. See? But the only person that still rocks thermals to this day, Mr. Handyman, Mr. Outstanding, because he's delivering the mail, Steven, bro. He's still got that. He's still got that thermal swag going, dog. So thank you for holding Dude, that Dude, he's a, I think he's a, I think he's a swag clean, a swag king, man. You know, he's a Uncle Jesse. <laughs> But he's also, uh, to me, he looks like uh, one of our linebackers from the Bills, man, Matt Milano. Matt Milano, that's funny. Take it on, you see him next time. On that note, man, man. we're going to be excited, man. Holidays around the corner. Yes, sir. We got some big, some episode 100 coming up, so with some special guests. Yes, sir. Bring back the guests. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good year. Once we hit them three figures, we're going to. Woo, elevate. And, man, I just want to thank you, man. I love you, man. Love you, too. How we're doing this, and, uh, yeah, man. For sure. Keep it going. Well, everybody out there, thank you for liking, listening, and subscribing. Don't forget, be your biggest fan. Leave with love. Feel awesome free. And, and I always say stay up, up, up. <laughs>